This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. And so to cry out and let our, our voice be heard in the streets is to take vengeance on those who are doing us wrong by getting others to hate him. And God the Father loved the Son because he didn't do that. He, he just took another road. And the other road that he took was seeing that in the middle of the height of the injustice and the wrongness that was done to him, when he was on the cross, when he was crucified on the cross, and no one heard him cry out about how wrong it was. No one heard him cry out, I'm innocent, I'm innocent, I shouldn't be here. But what they did hear him say were his last words in Luke 23, 46. Luke 23, 46, when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. See, into thy hands was the road he took. Into thy hands was the voice that was heard. Into thy hands was the choice that he made. And it's a choice that you and I have to make in life. It's either going to be for us, into thy hands, I rest my case, or into my hands, I fight for my case and get even and set the record straight. This is verse 19. He shall not strive nor cry, neither shall a man hear his voice in the streets. Now God the Father goes on to tell more about what he loves about the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says it in verse 20, a bruised reed shall he not break. Now, how many here consider themselves gardeners? About the same as me. All right. (laughs) All right, but never mind. A gardener, when he comes across a, a bruised or a damaged plant, like a bruised reed, he looks at the damaged plant and he says, it's a damaged plant. He says, it's a wounded plant. And he looks at that and he sees work. He says, you know, it's going to take, if I want to keep that there, that plant, that branch, he says, it's going to take a lot of work. It's going to take a lot of care. 
It's going to take a lot of nursing to support it. Maybe I got to make a splint for it. Maybe I got to take a lot of time to get the strength into that. And the gardener says, so much easier, so much faster just to whack it off, break it off, and, and just see it in time. It'll get replaced by a young, stronger, new branch and and just forget about that old wounded branch. I don't have the time to nurse that bruised branch back to strength again. Uh, by the way, this was not my wife. She was a gardener. And there's a bush, if you come to my house down on the street, it's an India hawthorn bush. And, and just to give you an idea, she would trim that bush and it would take her five days, uh, all day long, one week, to trim this one bush because she looked at every branch and fell in love with every branch. And, oh, she probably gave names to each branch. and That's the way she gardened. But she was a real unusual gardener. When a dirty, rotten sinner comes crawling to the Lord Jesus Christ, needing cleansing, needing forgiveness, he's pretty wounded. He's pretty bruised. He's lived a life going down the wrong road, and he's all worn out, striving against God. In short, he just looks like a bruised reed. In short, it'd be very easy for the Lord to say, that dirty, rotten sinner is like a bruised branch of a plant. It's going to take a lot of work, a lot of care, a lot of nursing to support that person. It's going to take a lot of my time for that person to become strong, it'd just be so much easier, so much more efficient to just forget about him, turn about my efforts to working with someone else, another person who's not so dirty, not so rotten, a sinner. I don't have time for that person to, to get out of his sin and all the damage the sin has caused in his life. The urge is just to cut off that bruised branch, fling it away. And if the Lord had done that, he would be breaking off a bruised reed. And for a gardener to not just break off and fling away a bruised branch, it takes vision. It takes vision on the part of the gardener. And I know it was in the mind of my wife as she was sitting out there for one week treating me one plant. She had a vision. And when it was over, it was beautiful. There was no, what do you call those things? Weed electric uh, trimmer. No, no, everything was by hand. It was studying the joints and the, each little stem. And, oh, i got to cut it here. And because she could see that branch where that cut was coming up into a new leaf. And then it should stand back and look at the whole, oh, it's going to be perfect there, you know. And it was more the, I have a vision for this bruised branch. I can see this bruised branch healthy and strong. Give me some time. I'll invest my care into that branch. That branch is going to be useful again. That branch is going to bear fruit. And that's what the Lord Jesus Christ does for us. When we come to him as a bruised, dirty, rotten sinner, the Lord looks at us and says, I have a vision for that person. I have a vision for that bruised, dirty, rotten sinner. I can see that he's going to be strong in the Lord. I can see him walking with God. Just give me time. I'll invest my care into him. He's going to become a fruitful person, a fruitful branch. And when a gardener, on the other hand, breaks off a bruised branch, he's just comparing the condition of that bruised branch to another healthy, 
new, healthy, strong branch. And he's saying, well, by comparison, the new, healthy, strong branch that could, that could replace this bruised branch, it'd be so much better. So just break off the bruised branch. That's all. And this shows us something about the Lord. The Lord never compares the condition of one sinner to another sinner in order to decide if he's going to invest his time in the, in the person or not. He doesn't look at each sinner who comes to him and make a decision to accept or reject the sinner based on their condition. Instead, the Lord says in Revelation 3.20, Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man, that's the point, any man hear my voice and open the door, I'll come into him, I'll sup with him, he with me. See, in John 6.37, John 6.37, he says, Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. The criteria for whether or not a person's going to be, to, to be in or, or, or cast out is not his criteria. It's, the, it's his criteria, rather. It's not his choice. It's the choice of the person. It's the person who comes to him that decides whether or not he'll be cast out or not. And the person who comes to him will not be cast out. He promises, him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. John 6, 37. So the Lord looks at the dirty, rotten sinners who come to him, and and he takes them because of the type of shepherd that he is. He's a special shepherd. The special shepherd is described in Isaiah 40, verse 11. Isaiah 40, verse 11 says, He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom. And he shall gently lead they that are young, with young. Doesn't matter how much work, it doesn't matter how much time it takes to carry or gently lead these ones who have special needs. He will not break them off. And in the same way, when a person has an oil lamp, when you have an oil lamp, you know, of course we all light our houses with oil lamps, don't we? <laughs> Anyways, when you have an oil lamp and there's a wick in that lamp, and that wick that's in that lamp is made out of flax, made out of flax. And sometimes the flax is perfect, perfect. The flax is drawing up the oil into the wick. The lamp is putting out a lot of light because the flax is just on fire. It's a great wick, okay? But other times, there's not so good flax in there. It's not wicking up the oil. It's not working. There's no light. It's just, it's not burning. It's just smoking, smoking, and it's instead of making light, it's causing another problem. It's making soot because it's smoking. And the reason is because the flax wick there, it's not on fire. It's just not on fire. It's not putting on light. It's smoking, not burning. And the urge is to just quench it, cut it off, get rid of it, fling it away. It's just a poor smoking flax. It's not a good burning flax. But to work with that smoking flax, to trim it and get it into a good burning flax, that it's going to put out light. It takes vision. It takes vision. The vision of say, I can see that that smoking flax can be transformed into a bright burning flax, putting out the light useful in the lantern. Just give me some time. I'll transform the smoking flax into a useful burning flax. A wick there. And that's what the Lord does. So now the Lord was faced 
okay, so that's all well and good. And what we've seen so far is the description of him in principle. But now it's going to come practice because now he's going to be faced with the decision. He's going to be faced with the decision because here comes a bruised reed and he's going to be faced with the decision, break it off or not. Here comes the smoking flax, going to be faced with the decision, quench it or not. As someone is being brought to the Lord, who is that bruised reed and who is that smoking flax? As someone is brought to the Lord in really bad shape, a person who can't see, a person who can't speak, in verse 22, verse 22, then was brought unto him one possessed with the devil, blind and dumb. Now, when the Lord saw that person, the Lord could have, he could have, you know, he could have looked at that person and he said, oh, you says, in such a condition, you bring a schlep like this to me? You know, I, I, he, he can't see, can't talk. Why do you bring someone to me like that? I don't have time for a person that can cast them away, break them off. I'd rather work with someone who's a little bit better shape, if you don't mind, possessed with the devil. Oh, yeah. But that's not what happened. That's not what happened at all. The Lord saw that man, and immediately, immediately, the Lord went to work, and the result was, in verse 22, he healed him. He healed him insomuch that the blind and the dumb both spake and saw. Why? Because the Lord would not break off that bruised reed. He wouldn't quench that smoking flax there in that man. And what a miserable state that man was in. Miserable. He could not see his way to get help. He could not call out for help. Sight and speech were two bridges, the two bridges that that man had, those two bridges of sight and speech linked the man, as it does to other, any person. It links a person to the outside world. Those two bridges linked that man for help. Those two vital bridges were destroyed by the enemy, leaving that man cut off from getting help. And that's what the devil does today. That's what the devil does today. He wants to cut people off from getting help from God. That's why there's so much opposition to having in public schools the teaching of the most read book in the world, the Bible, because that might bring little ones, uh, children, that might bring children help from God. That's why there's opposition to having nativity scenes in public parks like Balboa Park, because that might bring God's help to people. That's why, with the excuse of a pandemic, the state bans churches from opening but allows shopping malls to be open because churches might bring help to, to, to people. The devil made that man blind and dumb, and when he did, he says, now this man cannot read God's word. I've destroyed his sight. This man cannot sing praises to God. This man cannot pray because I've destroyed his voice. Mission accomplished, the devil said. Why? Because that's what the devil's mission and goal is. In 2 Corinthians 4.4, 2 Corinthians 4.4, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So with dumbness, the lips of that man were sealed from prayer. 
just like the stone was sealed over the tomb of the Lord Jesus. So with those, with his two bridges destroyed of sight and speech, burned by the devil, that man saw nothing, that man said nothing. That man couldn't see for himself that Jesus could heal him. And he needed for others to see for him that the Lord Jesus could heal him, which is what happened, why it's so important in verse 22 when it says, then was brought unto him one possessed with the devil. Others could see that this man could not see. They could see what this man could not see, that Jesus could heal them. So they brought him to Jesus. This man could not speak for himself. He couldn't ask Jesus to heal him. He needed for others to speak for him and ask the Lord Jesus to heal him, which is what happened in verse 22, then was brought unto him, one possessed with the devil. Others could ask the Lord for the healing of this man because he couldn't ask for himself, so they bring him. So in verse 22, there is present there an unseen I, I'm going to say others because I'm assuming it's more than one. I don't know. It might have been just one. But there's someone or some persons unseen. So we're going to call them the unseen others who brought this man to the Lord. Now, when you look at that scene, it speaks to us about what prayer really means. What is the real meaning of prayer for the lost in verse 22? We, in prayer are represented by those unseen others. We are the unseen others. The man who could not see or speak for himself represents a lost person. He's lost. He needs healing from his lost condition. And just like those unseen others who brought the Lord, brought to the Lord this man, they did it for a reason. They did it, one, because they cared about that man. Just like we bring a lost person in prayer to the Lord because we care about their, that person. We, we care about that person and we want to see that person healed and saved from his being lost condition. They loved that man. They loved that man that they, and they cared about, and they loved him with a, with a, we talked about before, compassion, understanding. They loved about that. They loved that man with a compassion. They loved that. They had a compassionate love. They loved that man because they felt the pain of that man not being able to see. They felt the frustration of that man wanting to say something but not being able to have his voice be heard. And that elicited for them a love, a love that felt the pain of another person. We care for a lost soul. We want to see him healed and saved from his inability to see the Lord Jesus Christ as God and Savior. We want to see his lips of that lost person unsealed so that he can pray as a child of God and be heard by his heavenly Father. And the people who brought him here, brought him there, they knew that their friend had no chance of being healed unless they stepped in and brought him to the Lord Jesus, and that's what compels for us to pray. We feel in that way compelled to pray because we know that our lost friends have no chance of being healed in salvation unless we, unless we get on our knees ourselves 
and bring them to the Lord Jesus, speaking for them because they can't speak, asking for them because they can't ask to be saved. And it's remarkable in this history how that the very ones who made this healing possible, this this unseen others, that's what they are. They're unseen. They're unseen. They're the very ones who without them, there'd be no healing for for this poor person, and we know nothing about them. I mean, from this history, we don't know we don't know how many they are. We don't know who they are. We don't even have the honor of having a third person pronoun there in that verse, like them or they, or you know, to give them a, the history does not say they brought unto him one that was possessed of the devil. It doesn't say then a person brought him unto him. All we have is then was brought unto him one possessed with the devil. And that's just fine with them. That's fine with them because. All they want is for their friend to be healed, and they're not protesting. They're not saying, We're, at least an honorable mention would be nice. You know, there are no shouts of, hey, what are we, chop liver? Where's our credit? You know, like those unseen others. And that's just fine with them, and it's fine with us. It's fine with us that we don't get credit for the vital role we play in praying a lost person who gets salvation. Like those unseen others, we don't feel like we need to be recognized. Those unseen others, their reward was complete when they saw their friend saved and healed. And that's our reward. That's our reward as well. The complete reward was, verse 22, verse 22, the blind and dumb man both spake and saw. And can you imagine this scene? Can you imagine this scene of this unseen others? They're standing behind this man, and the the Lord Jesus there has just been healed. The first person that the man sees and when he's made to see again is the Lord Jesus. It's wonderful. Just like us, after we die, the first person we're going to look forward to see, I want to see Jesus, first of all. Yeah. And the first words that come out of this man's mouth is first time he can speak. He says to the Lord Jesus, thank you, thank you. Like all of us, can raise from the dead. You're going to raise from the dead. First words, we're going to say to the Lord Jesus, thank you, thank you. And the man is standing there worshiping the Lord Jesus, telling him thank you. And then we can just kind of picture that man turning around, you know, facing the Lord Jesus, turns around and he looks at the people, brought him there, and he goes, okay. <laughs> no, he can speak this time. He says thank you to them. Yeah? That's wonderful. And uh, in essence, he's saying, you know, I wouldn't have been healed unless you brought me here. But I wouldn't have been. And that's going to be what it's going to be like for us in heaven as well, for those who brought us to the Lord were saved, that we'll be able to say thank you to them. Now, so what we learn, if we kind of sort of digest out some points here about prayer, from verse 22, and we summed up, we say, first of all, there are the unseen others, and we pray as unseen others. They loved this man, we pray because we love the lost. They cared for this man, we pray because uh, we not just love, we take the step to pray because we care. They felt, they felt, and we pray because we feel the pain and misery of the lost. And they knew, they knew, and we pray because we know what the lost does not know. We see what the lost does not see. We see a certainty of heaven and hell. We see an exclusivity of coming by either having the Lord Jesus Christ or not having the Lord Jesus Christ as far as entering heaven goes. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.